Man, it's great to see everyone here this morning. I want to welcome those of you who are here, but also want to welcome those of you who are there watching live online this morning. We're just so glad that you're part of our services today, wherever you're at. Well, over the last couple of weeks, if you're just tuning in with us for the first time, or maybe you're visiting with us here for the first time, we've been trying to answer the question, who is God? And I really don't think that there is a more important question. It's like A.W. Tozer wrote, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Now, one of the things that's very popular with a lot of people today is they will say things like, well, you know, you just come up with whatever you think God is like, and, and I'll just come up with whatever I think God is like, and it's like this opinion thing. Uh, but, you know, really, this is not an opinion matter. It, it doesn't matter how popular that ideology is. It's wrong. We can't just make up whatever we want to be true or whatever we believe is true about God and then try and live our life as if it were true. Because there's way too much at stake. We need to know God. We need to understand who God really is. And that's why we've been doing this, this series on the different names of God because in Scripture... God gives us all these different names, and through His name, He reveals His character. He reveals who He really is. I think about what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 9, verse 10. He says, those who know your what, church? Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. And I hope that's why you're here today. I hope that, man, you've got the attitude of, man, I'm ready to seek God. I mean, I, I want to know who He is and what He's about so that He can be my God, so that I can know Him better. And so we're going to jump into our next name. But, but I want to begin with a question this morning. How is your eyesight? see a lot of you with glasses. You see me with glasses. My, my eyesight's not that great. It's getting worse. What people told me a while back about hitting your 40s and your eyesight declining, that has really proven true for me. It was at one point where I struggled to see distance, but now things are starting to get kind of wiggly for me close up. My wife, Julie, is now experiencing that. She's now bought some glasses that she uses to read. And so our eyesight is kind of diminishing, right? And, and that's just the way it works. That's why we have to have eye doctors and glasses and contacts and all that kind of stuff. And even then... We don't even we you know we don't see what we're supposed to see, right? Especially us men. Just the other day, this was I guess this was this week. I'm using some of Julie's dental floss, and yes, we have our own separate dental floss. Okay, she's got some on her side, I've got some on my side. And she goes, "Hey," she goes, "What are you using my dental floss for?" 
And I said, well, I've already been under the sink, and I looked in the dental bag, and I don't see any of the regular size dental floss. I see the little samples that you can pick up at the dentist's office, and you get like one string out of there, and they're gone. And I said, I'm just tired of doing that. And, and Julie says, no. She says, there's some regular dental floss under there. And I said, did you just buy some? She said, no. She said, it's been there for a while. There should be like three or four down there. And I said, honey, I said, I've already gotten the bag out. I've looked. And she said, I know there's some in there, Slate. You're going to make me look? And I said, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, look. And so anyway, she gets under the sink, and she pulls out our dental bag. And there's like three things of regular dental floss in there. And she like tosses one over to me on the counter, but I, I said all that to say this, we, especially as men, don't see things, even things that may be very obvious. Yes. But here's the point I want to make. God's not like that. Okay, write this down if you're taking note, notes. God sees everything, clearly. Always. And, and some, kind, some people kind of look at that as a bad thing. And, and I'll, I'll talk more about that later on. But actually, this is good news. I mean, how do you feel when someone says, I see you? Now, I know we use that phrase in, in several different ways today. I, I know that Julie and I have a young lady in our neighborhood who we look at as like our adopted daughter. We walked with her in the neighborhood last night, but there are times when Julie and I will be running our three miles in the neighborhood and she'll see us out the window and she'll take a picture of us and she'll send it to Julie with the words, I see you. It's kind of creepy. She does it as a joke. We, we laugh about it. There's also uh, a way that we use that word today, like when someone does something amazing. Like maybe they're uh, an, a great athlete and they make a, a great catch, or, or maybe they're an amazing singer and, and they just, man, they, they hit this amazing note or this uh, amazing uh, string of notes and you'll hear people say, okay, I, what? I see you, right? Y'all heard that. And, and so we love to use that phrase today, but there's a deeper meaning to that phrase when it, con when it conveys that you really notice someone. When you're saying, I'm, I'm paying attention. How many of you will admit that there have been times when someone, maybe it was your kids or, or, or maybe it was your spouse said, hey, watch this. And you were, you know, trying to watch, but, you know, you're watching your phone as well. Or maybe you're watching something on television and you miss it. And they're like, what are you doing? You missed, I, I just did it. And you're like, oh, I'm sorry. And you, you feel so guilty, right? Because you, you weren't paying attention like you were supposed to. Listen, when someone pays attention to you, when they see you, that's exactly what's needed to fill the hunger in the heart of every individual. And I want you to know this morning that God watches everything that we do. We always have His attention. 
And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're rich, if you're poor. It doesn't matter what color you are, what nationality you are. God is always watching. You always have His attention. In fact, there's this awesome story in Genesis chapter 16. You can go ahead and be turning there with me in your Bibles. While you're turning there, I'm just going to go ahead and kind of set the context for you. We, we talked not, not too long ago about how God had come to Abram and Sarai, and He made this promise. He says, I am going to bless you. And because of this blessing upon Abram and Sarai, the whole world was going to be blessed. Because the blessing was that they were going to have a son, and through that son was going to come the Messiah, the Savior of the world. But God makes this huge promise, and, and, and really it was a crazy promise because... Abram and Sarai were already up in age. And so when God makes this promise to them, you remember what Sarai does, she begins to laugh. Because she just can't see anything like that happening. But God makes His promise. And, and Sarah kind of holds on to that promise. And this promise is just kind of floating out there for the next 10 years. And, and Sarah does like we often do many times. She becomes impatient with God. She's like, what's the deal? God made this promise. 10 years have passed by. And so maybe, maybe I just need to help God out. You ever felt that way? You ever prayed about something and it didn't happen quick enough for you, and, and so you just started kind of masterminding, you know, how you were going to help God out in this particular situation. Because maybe you've started thinking, you know, God's kind of forgotten about me. God's forgotten where I'm at and what I'm going through. And that's what Sarah is dealing with. She, she grew impatient and she decides she's going to take matters in her own hand. And so she comes up with this plan. She goes to her husband and, and she says to Abram, Look, I don't know where God is. I, I don't know what he's doing, but apparently, you know, he's not able to do what he told us. He was going to do, and so to help him out, listen, Abram, we've got this Egyptian slave girl by the name of Hagar. She's young. Why don't you take her and have a baby through her? And that way God's promise can go forward. And Abram says, okay. Now let me stop right here and say this, guys. There are going to be times... When your wife is going to speak from a place of hurt and frustration, maybe even anger, okay? And she's probably going to say something to you like, well, just go ahead and, and do it, whatever. And you don't say, well, okay. The correct answer is, no, honey, I would never do anything like that. That's what Abram said. He said, okay. And I know that sounds crazy. That's, you know, just something that was, uh, 
was very common in their culture. And, and so he gets together with Hagar, their slave, and she becomes pregnant. And listen, immediately Sarai becomes miserable. Because the baby that she wanted, the baby that she hoped for, was now in the stomach of another woman. And so, as you look at Genesis chapter 16, verse 4, not only is she miserable because she's not the one having the baby, but also because the scriptures say that Hagar began to treat Sarah with contempt. In other words, she began to look down on Sarah. I can have a baby. You can't. And so she immediately goes to her husband, Abram. And I love this. I just think this is so funny. Genesis 16, verse 5, Then Sarai said to Abraham, You are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my slave in your hands, and now she knows that she's pregnant. She despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. And again, Abram being the typical man, look at his response. He says, look, your, your slave is in your hands, Abraham said. Do whatever you think is best. In other words, he just kind of throws up his hand and says, look, I'm out. You, you deal with this. And then Sarai ill-treated Hagar. So she fled from her. There's a great point in that. Sarai and Abraham became impatient, and because of that, now everybody is miserable. Right? Sarah is miserable because the baby's not in her tummy. And Abraham's miserable because Sarah is miserable. And Hagar, this slave, is miserable because she's being mistreated by her master. And there's nothing she can do about it. She's a slave. There's no one to stand for her. There's no one to listen to her. And so it gets to the point to where she's being mistreated so badly that she runs away. Now get that image in your mind. You have this young pregnant girl who runs out into a desert area. She's all alone. She's got no shelter. She's got no protection. Are you with me? You know, sometimes the desert is where true healing begins. In fact, if you're taking notes this morning, sometimes it's in the driest, most barren places that God shows up. And, and that's what happens in this story with Hagar. Now, I want you to understand this morning that Hagar was not an Israelite. She was not a worshiper of God. She really didn't even know God. And, and so now she runs away out into the desert by herself, and the Bible says that she finds a spring and she sits down there alone. And well, watch what happens, verses 7 through 8. The angel of the Lord, what church? Found Hagar. Near a spring in the desert, it was a spring that is beside the road to Shur. Isn't that awesome? The Lord was looking for her. This slave, invisible young woman, 
And notice what he says to her. Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from? And where are you going? And, and I love that because God calls her by name. Which may have been very rare for her to hear because she's a slave. That's how people regarded her, as a slave. But, but God gives her dignity and He gives her worth by calling her by her name. Because that's how relationships get started. You start with names. And after God called her by name, he begins to ask her questions that no one was asking her because no one cared about her like he did. And so he asked her, where, where have you come from? In other words, Hagar, what's your story? What's going on in your life? And he says, and, and where are you going? And in other words, Hagar, what's your plans? And, and of course, she didn't have any. She really didn't know. And, and maybe some of you can relate to that this morning. But look at how Hagar responds. Verses 8 and 9. She says, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, Go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. And, and so notice, Hagar just pours her heart out to God. I'm running away from my mistress. I'm, I'm being mistreated. And the Lord says, Hagar, I want you to go back. I want you to know that I'm with you. I'm for you. I'll protect you. And in fact, listen, I'm, I'm going to bless you. And out of this compassionate act of, of kindness, God makes her a promise that's almost as good as the one that he made Sarai and Abraham because he says, listen, Hagar, I want you to go back and I want you to understand that you are going to have so many descendants you won't even be able to count them. And well, notice how she responds. And this is where we get our next name. Verse 13, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. Now if you look at the underlying phrase that, that I've got up on the screen this morning, it's actually the Hebrew words El Roy. That is the name that we have been given. The, the word El there is kind of like a generic name for God, and Roy means to see. And, and so if you put those together, what it means is the God who sees me. And that awesome? And, and as you see from this story, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. God sees you. 
Listen, write this down. We can never be too insignificant. We can never be too small that God doesn't know what's going on in our life. Psalm 33, verses 13 through 15 says, The Lord looks down from heaven and he sees, what church? The whole human race. From his throne, he observes all who live on the earth. He made their hearts so he understands everything that they do. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3, The Lord is watching, what church? Everywhere, keeping his eye on both the evil and the good. In other words, he sees everyone. Then in the, in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, I love this passage. Nothing in all of creation can hide from him. Everything is naked and exposed before his what? Before his eyes. Listen, right now you may be feeling like Hagar. The present is hard, that your future is uncertain, and you may feel like no one knows and no one cares. But here's the good news. Whoever you are and whatever you're going through right now, God sees you. God knows. He's not distant. He's not tiptoeing away. He is watching over your life. We looked at this passage not too long ago, but Jesus in Matthew chapter 10 verses 29 through 31 says that God even sees how many hairs are on your head. And in that same text, he talks about the sparrows and, and how not even a sparrow can fall to the ground without God seeing it. And Jesus says, let me tell you something, you are so much more valuable, you're so much more precious to God than the sparrows. He is El Royi, the one who sees and watches over you and me. There's a beautiful story in Luke chapter 7 about Jesus and his disciples. They're on the way to this town called Nain. And as they're going into the town, there is a, there is a funeral procession that is going out. One of the things that I've noticed today, it's not everywhere, but especially in your larger towns when you have a funeral procession, typically people no longer pull over on the side to show respect and so forth for the family. They just kind of zoom on by and you know, may not even give it a, a second thought as to what's going on. And, and maybe that's how the lady in this story felt. She's a widow. Her husband has passed, and now she is burying her only son. And she may feel like Hagar. She may feel like, man, I am now all alone in the world, and no one knows my hurt. No one cares about me. But look at the text. This is just, it's, it's precious. Luke chapter 7, verses 13 through 15, it says, The Lord white church. The Lord saw her, and his heart overflowed with compassion, and he told her, he said, don't cry. And then he walked over to the coffin, and he touched it, and the bearers stopped, and he said, young man, he said, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk to those around him, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. 
Listen, don't ever forget this. The Lord sees, even when no one else may seem to know what you're going through or get what you're going through, or or maybe they don't even seem to care what you're going through. God cares. He sees. He knows. In fact, you have never cried a tear in your life that God didn't see. You've never had a scare or a sad moment or a single meltdown in your life where God wasn't there saying, I see you. I know what you're going through. In fact, the psalmist writes in Psalm 56, verse 8, concerning the Lord, he says, you keep track of what, church? Of all my sorrows, you have collected all my tears in your bottle. Listen, be assured this morning that God knows. He sees everything that you're going through. Even when we've not been faithful to God, God is faithful to us. He continues to keep watch over us. Every time we experience a hurt or a loss, He's he's there and, and He knows exactly what you're going through. He sees. Ephesians chapter 34 verse 18, the Lord is close to the what, church? To the brokenhearted. He rescues those who are crushed in spirit. Even when we can't see God, it's important for us to understand that He sees us. And He knows what we're going through. And let me tell you, it's important for us to understand that because it will change how we deal with life. We're not going through this life alone. God is there. He he sees. He he knows. And and it changed everything for Hagar. Even though she was a slave. Even though she had to go back to that situation where the Lord says, Look, I want you to submit to your mistress. I want you to submit to Sarah. She still went back with a different perspective because she knew God was there. That He saw her. There's another great story In Mark chapter 6, Jesus tells his disciples to get in a boat while he himself stayed behind on the shore because he wanted some alone time with the Lord. But while the Lord was on the shore and while the disciples were out at sea, this storm blows in. And well, notice Mark 6, verses 48 through 51, it says, He, white church, he saw that they were in serious trouble. Rowing hard, struggling against the wind and the waves. And and I want you to understand that God sees when you're struggling, when you're having a hard time, when you're going through troubles. He sees that. And it says about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water, intended to go past them, but as he was walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't, what church? Don't be afraid. He says, take courage. I am, what? I am here. And then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind stopped. You go back to verse 48. And it says, the Lord 
saw them. And then I love what he says to them towards the end in verse 51. He tells them as they're, as they're going through their struggle, he says, look, he says, don't be afraid, take courage. He says, I am what? I'm here. I'm here. Some of you need to hear that this morning. No matter what you're going through. Lord says, I see you and, and I'm here. And God says, take courage. Don't, don't be afraid. I'm watching over you. Psalm chapter 121, verse 3, the psalmist says, He will not let you stumble, the one who what church? Watches over you, will not slumber. I love that passage because even the most watchful parent, and, and Julie and I, we were, man, we were watchful parents, right? I mean, we're, we're not afraid to get up in our kids' grills. But you know what? Even the most watchful parent has to sleep. But the scriptures say that God doesn't, He never sleeps. And he's watching over you. He says it three times in this chapter. If once wasn't enough, he says in verse 5, The Lord himself, what? Watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. Verse 8, he goes on to say, The Lord keeps what? Watch over you as you come and go both now and forever. I want you to understand, there's, there's not a millisecond of your life that God misses. He sees everything that we do. Which really brings us back to that point I mentioned at the very beginning. God even sees our sin. Right? That, that's why this name can be concerning to some. Not only does he see the good stuff, but he also sees the bad stuff, right, in our life. You think about John chapter 4 where Jesus is with the woman at the well and he's, he's talking to her and Jesus says, Oh, by the way, how's your husband? And she says, Well, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, You're right. You've had five and you're living with the guy that you're with right now. She goes, what are you, some sort of prophet? He is Elroy. He is a God who sees. And you say, well, Slate, man, I was really finding, you know, some comfort and, and some encouragement in, in this study today, but now I'm, I'm kind of I'm depressed. Not only does he see the good, not only is he with me through the hard times, but he sees the mistakes that I make too. Yes, Elroy sees everything. But understand, here's the good news. He still loves you. Psalm chapter 103, verses 8 through 4. The psalmist says, The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and Filled with unfailing love. 
He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. His unfailing love toward us who fear Him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to His children, tender and compassionate to those who fear Him, for He knows how weak we are. He remembers that we are only Yeah, He knows our weaknesses. But He still loves us. There's a book put out uh, by Marianne Bird years ago called The Whisper Test. And in it, she talks about how she was born with a cleft palate. And at a very early age, she began to realize that she was different. And the kids made sure that she understood she was different because they would make fun of her and they would tease her. They would ask her about her lip and it got to the point to where she would lie and she would say that she accidentally fell down and, and cut her lip on some glass because in her mind she thought that if it was an accident then maybe they would be more merciful. But they weren't. But in elementary school, she said there was a teacher who absolutely changed her life. Her name was Mrs. Leonard. One day, Mrs. Leonard was performing the standard hearing test. And the way they did that back then is they would line the school kids up and the teacher would go up and whisper something, a phrase in their ear, and they would have to repeat it. Something like the sky is blue or the flower is red and it was just kind of a, a, a test to see if they could hear well. And so Mrs. Leonard is going down through there and she's giving the test to the students and she comes to Mary Ann Bird and this is what she whispers in her ear. She says, I wish you were my little girl. And she said that changed her life. She said for the first time in her life, she realized that someone outside of her family could love her. Listen to me this morning. God knows all about our flaws. He knows about our handicaps. He knows about our weaknesses. But He still loves us. He wants all of us to become His children. In fact, He loves us so much that He sent His Son to down on a cross for our sins. To take our place. Do you know that kind of God? Do you know El Roy? He sees you. He sees you for who you are. He knows your thoughts. He knows what you're going through. He knows your joys and your pains. He even knows your sin. But He still loves you. And He gives us all the invitation, come to me. 
Those of you who are hurting, hurting and, and those of you who are carrying heavy burdens, he says, bring them to me, bring them to me and I'll, I'll carry them for you. He says, my, my load is light. Just come to me. Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you put on Christ in baptism, having your sins washed away? That's what God wants for you. He doesn't want you carrying those sins, the guilt, the shame, the baggage. He says, give them to me. Let me take those away from you. Or today, if you are here and you are a child of God, and there's something you're struggling with, uh, we would love to pray for you. We'd love to lift up your name before God and ask Him to give you healing and the strength and help that you need. If, it, if it's more of a, a personal matter and you'd like to come up and, and put a prayer request on the cross, we pray over those. Our elders pray over those. We'll, we'll lift you up. But whatever the case may be, whether it's to give your life to Jesus or if you want to know more about Jesus, we'd love to help you with that. As together we stand as we sing.